and welcome to this new limited series podcast on publishing addiction science. This podcast is a collaboration between ICEAGE and the SSA, acronyms that we'll explain in a moment. Over the next dozen or so episodes, we'll demystify the publishing process, largely by talking to people who do the, as it turns out, mostly unmystical publishing. It's like an everything that you always wanted to ask an addictions editor-in-chief but were fairly sure they wouldn't answer your email kind of podcast. Anyhow, before I say too much, and in doing so assign myself to the spam bin of the sector's most influential publications, some introductions. My name is Rob Calder, I'm the Head of Communications for the SSA, which is the Society for the Study of Addiction. And my name's Casey Calver, and I'm the Executive Officer of Ice Age, the International Society of Addiction Journal Editors. I'm also Managing Editor of the journal Addiction Science and Clinical Practice, and Editorial Director at the Graken Center for Addiction and the Clinical Addiction Research and Education Unit, both at Boston Medical Center. In this series, alongside Editors-in-Chief, we will interview senior journal editors and an array of other experts in publishing. Each episode will feature one interview on a topic ranging from authorship and submission guidelines to peer review and the shifting sands of impact factors. This series is loosely based on a textbook published by IceAge called Publishing Addiction Science. It can be downloaded for free from the IceAge website. So without further ado, for our first interview, we went straight to one of the most important issues, particularly for early career researchers, that of authorship. Casey, you conducted this interview. Uh, Can you tell us who you spoke to and what you discussed? Yeah, for this first episode, I spoke with Richard Pates, who is an Ice Age board member and editor-in-chief of the journal Substance Use. I asked Richard to share some strategies for deciding on journal manuscript authorship and when to articulate those roles in the writing process. Richard told me about some experiences he had as a junior researcher and how they've informed his approach to authorship as he mentors early career researchers and in his role as an editor. As one of the founding members of Ice Age, it's fitting that we begin this series with an interview with Richard, who's always approachable and happy to talk about publishing addiction science. I hope you enjoy this interview, which was recorded on February 22nd, 2023. I'm here today with Richard Pates. Richard, do you want to talk to us a little bit about how to decide or agree upon authorship? Yes, thank you very much, Casey. This is a very interesting subject because it should be a fairly straightforward thing, but it has been controversial in the past. And it certainly was in the beginning of my career. I've been publishing papers now for 35 years, I think. No, even more than that, 45 years since I published my first one. And uh, the question of authorship shouldn't be difficult, but sometimes is. Now, my view, and I think the view of the field, is that anyone who's made a significant contribution to the work that's being reported should be an author. Now, that may be that they have designed the research or been the the researchers on the project or taken part in the writing, but it becomes difficult when when you have a big project and lots of people do very small things. So it's really the the main things on the paper. One of my early experiences, my first experience was when I was a student and I was on placement and we did did some work with children, wrote a paper and the consultant in the the department insisted on being a co-author, even though he'd done nothing towards it. Now, uh, me as a very junior baby psychologists couldn't do much about that then but I'm very insistent now 
that I won't allow that to happen. Um, and, and I think it is very important. So you're going to make a significant contribution, so not because you are in a certain position or not because you're someone's husband or wife. It's because you made a significant contribution to that paper. One of the things that I've had uh, during my career is I've um, worked with one of the local universities where um, students would do a year on placement. So I've had students of 30 students on placement with me. And we've always tried to do a research project, which we've tried to publish, and they have always been included as authors. So, uh, and that's very important. So their status isn't important. As, as a student, they would be the, the, on the lowest rung of the ladder, but they were equally important, especially when they may have done quite a lot of the uh, intervention work, so to speak. And, and one of the interesting things is, of course, is that people get very upset about it because certainly in universities, you are supposed to publish a certain number of papers in peer review journals every year to justify your position. For people like me, who's been a clinician all my life, having more papers on my CV doesn't make any difference at all. You know, um, that's been and gone. But if you're a student, you're about to do something that can be very important. And that's why I'm back to encourage Students, you know, if we're going to do something, we'll write the paper together and you'll get your name on it. And, and I've all co-authored both papers and academic books with students who have written with me and have made immense contributions. One of the other things is the order of authors. And some people get very hot under the collar about this because, of course, that is the name that will come up when you're searching for a paper or if you go into a database to look for a subject. The first author is always the one that comes up. And the first author should be the one that has done the major work on the project or who's who, let's say, owns the project. Again, it is not a position that is granted because of status. It is that should be a position because you've done the work on it. I think after that, you may decide that it is done on the level of, of, of contribution you've made, but it is not that important because... In the text, you just become one of the et al in the reference. But of course, in the reference list, it's important, but it is important for your CV. We also expect people now, when they're writing a paper, to put in a declaration at the end of the paper, and also in the letter that they write with the paper, to say that these people have all made a significant contribution. And it sometimes helps to say what their contribution has been, because it can be complex. You may get some, some statistical help. Someone has done the statistical analysis it may be that they've written the paper or whatever, but it's also it's important that those those are recognised. And that declaration is, I think, is important. You know, I have seen this abused. And, and one of the things that you'll sometimes find now, because impact factor is related to the number of sightings of a paper, you'll sometimes find people in some of their papers, papers will cite themselves a lot or include people so that they can be cited. And I have come across papers which I have sent back as um, where, where people have done this, and it's clear that it is just an attempt to get a paper on there. So, so basically, I think it's a question of ethics. I think it's a question of being honest. I like to think that in all scientific publishing, we're making an effort to present the public with peer-reviewed papers which are honest, which have been examined and, and found to be, be worth publishing. And that the people whose names are on those papers have the right to claim authorship. And I think that is very important. And, and it not, does not include people who should not have that credit. At what stage, Richard, do you recommend usually determining your author list or determining author order? 
Is that at the beginning of the manuscript development process? That's a really good question because I think you should do that at the beginning and you can have a meeting or have a meeting. You can decide when you're talking to your colleagues about this, but I think it is a good idea to do it before you start writing up the paper. So you can actually, so there's not then an argument at the end. Well, you know, I've done this and I've done that. So you decide at the beginning. I mean, one of the things that, that I found in, when I was, I was working in, as a clinician in a addiction clinic and my colleague, he, I'm the psychologist, he was a psychiatrist, and we wrote a number of papers together with equal weighting and we would take it in turns to be the first author. But usually, you know, it, it, I think you're right. It's something you should decide early on so it, it saves then having arguments later. That's right. I think the more clarity, the better in these situations, don't you think? (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Richard. This is really helpful. And I think you've helped demystify some important topic around publications. So thank you. Well, I'm delighted to do that because I think one of the problems is that I know from my side that when I was a very junior psychologist, researcher, People who edited journals seem to be a long way away in big glass towers. The reality is that we're all professionals working in the field. And I've come to realise how much this sort of thing is needed, where people need to know about the way that publications are made, how they're done, and, and, and what the proper way of doing things is. So thank you for asking me. You're very welcome. And I think the, the workshops that you run as a part of Ice Age, as a part of a, you know, you're a founding member of Ice Age and a board member now. And I think those workshops for uh, early career researchers are really vitally important. So thank you for doing those. And um, if you want to see some resources that Richard has developed, they're on our website at iceage.net. Thank you so much, Richard. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. This was the first in a series of podcasts on this subject and is hosted under the SSA's Addictions Edited Podcast umbrella. Check back, like and subscribe for future episodes on navigating academic publishing. See also the Graken Centre for Addiction at Boston Medical Centre's podcast Behind the Evidence and Addiction Audio, the podcast from the journal Addiction. This episode was recorded in collaboration between Ice Age and the SSA. The views and opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of either organisation nor those of Boston Medical Centre. We hope that you enjoyed the episode and tune in again. Music